Praise the Lord. So thankful for the presence of the Lord here today. If you're thankful for what God has done already, how about you clap your hands and thank him? Lord Jesus, we thank you, God. We worship you, Lord. Jesus, we know that, God, you chose to come and to be with us today. And, Lord, we are so thankful for your presence, so thankful for your anointing, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. We want to say a special thank you to everybody who has come this morning, uh, everyone who has come and joined with us, our members and our visitors, our guests. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's good to have you with us. Hallelujah. We love your spirit, and you just seem happy and, and kind, and it's wonderful to have you with us. Hallelujah. And then Brother Louise's mom, it is such a joy to meet you finally, and so thankful for her and her lending Brother Louise to us. Uh, Brother Louise has put in many hours, late hours here working with us, and he has been such a blessing. How about we give our guests us a hand and thank the Lord for them. Make them feel welcome. And of course, everyone else who is here, we're so thankful for you. We are, of course, thankful to have Sister Veronica back with us. Um, as many of you know, and uh, I'm just going to mention this briefly because I'd like to take a moment to pray for her and her family. As many of you know, last uh, week, uh, a couple weeks ago now, uh, she had lost her son in a car accident, and uh, her and her family are, of course, still mourning. And I was wondering if having her in the building, we've prayed for her and her family several times now, but having her in the building, I thought, how about we do it again? Um, the funeral will be this weekend, and they're going to need extra strength. And as we stay, been, have been saying, you know, when it's one of our own, we hold them up in prayer, in love, in support. So we're going to do that right now. If you can, just put your hand towards Sister Veronica. I asked for her permission to do this before service. Just point your hand toward her. If one of the ladies want to go and 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 pray over her. Feel free to do that. But let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, we pray over her, the Sister White and her family, her other children, Lord God, and all who are, she's got a large family, Lord, and all of them are mourning right now due to the passing of her aunt and her son. And today, Lord God, we finally with her in the building, bind together with her. I pray that you would knit her soul with all that we may feel the pain that she is feeling, that we may experience, Lord God, that which she is experiencing, and that we may be a comfort to her, that we can be a support to her and her family. Oh, Lord Jesus, we pray for strength for them, not strength to avoid mourning or not going through what they need to go through, but a strength that will carry them through this. We pray, Lord God, that you would touch her, Lord, that you would bless her, Lord, with your spirit, that you would reveal yourself to her, and as, Lord God, she begins a new normal in her life, a life, Lord Jesus, that is starting over now, we pray that, God, you would reveal yourself to her in it, Lord Jesus, that you would be with her every step of the way, oh, Lord God, as that shepherd is 
with the sheep down the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, always showing her that you're there and that you love her and that you care for her. Lord, we pray for the tap of the shepherd's rod on her leg that, Lord, she may know in Jesus' name that you are still here, that, Lord God, you are still here. You're with her, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, if it comes down to it, you will carry her through this, Lord God, in Jesus' name, Lord. Jesus, God, we thank you, Jesus, for being good and showing yourself to us and being a very present help in time of need. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, Lord. Jesus, praise the Lord. Praise God, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let us continue to pray for her and her family and that God would just continue to be with them. Amen. Hallelujah. That is one of the uh, things about being part of a, a church is that you are part of a family, the household of God, as the scripture says. And so we treat each other as such. When one person has loss, we all have loss. We share in that pain and that burden that they have. And certainly there's some in this place that I can see that have you felt the pain yourself in your life, and you know the pain that she's going through and her family's going through. So let us keep them in our prayers. Amen. Amen. All right, if you can head into your Bibles to Acts chapter 6 and verse 2. I am thankful for the presence of God. I'm thankful that I, I certainly feel that he has moved in this house already. And uh, I don't know, we'll just see how this sermon goes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's all in God's hands. Acts chapter 6 and verse 2. <clears throat> then the 12, <clears throat> the 12 disciples or apostles, <clears throat> excuse me, they called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, <clears throat> It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, they're not saying anything like, oh, we're above that, but rather they're saying there's important things that need to be done that can only be done by the apostles and the disciples, and there are things that need to be done that other people can do. So it does not make sense for them to be caught up doing stuff that everybody else can do while they have important roles and tasks that only they can do. Verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, full of the Holy Ghost. And wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business of the tables, 
But we, the apostles, will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word, the preaching, the teaching, different things of that sort. Verse 5, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say full of the Holy Ghost. And Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied from this action in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Great number of priests were obedient to the faith. I'd like to... Uh, draw a sermon title and a sermon out of verse 3 when it says, Search out among you seven men who are of honest report, full of wisdom, but most importantly, full of the Holy Ghost. I'd like to preach to you today on being full of the Holy Ghost. Is that all right? Hallelujah. Are you going to allow God to speak to us today and move Hallelujah, if you've already been sensitive in worship, can you also right now just come with expectation saying, Lord, speak to me. Let your anointing cover me. Hallelujah. How about we do that right now? Can you lift up your voice in prayer? Lord Jesus, we ask you to speak to us. We ask you that, Lord, your spirit would flow freely in this place. Oh, I pray that, Lord, Lord, if there be any in this house who do not have the Holy Ghost, that you would fill them. And Lord, the rest of us, I pray, Jesus, that Lord God, you would make us full of the Holy Ghost today and that you would take over us and use us according to your spirit. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you, Lord God, for what you're about to do in Jesus' Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Please preach with me today as I'm going to need your help. Hallelujah. The disciples in this passage of Scripture is having what we call a good problem. Some problems are good. Obviously, what they're seeing is an influx of souls, and it's caused problems. Uh, because, uh, and, and we'll get into all that, but, but we'll see where the influx of souls was so drastic in the church. From the very get-go, on the day of Pentecost, when God poured out the Spirit of the Lord and filled all of them with the Holy Ghost that were in that upper room, it started with 120, and before the day was over, there were 3,120. Hallelujah. That's how quickly God was blessing the church. Acts 2.41. It says, Then they that gladly received his word 
Peter's word on the day of Pentecost when he preached and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They responded gladly, the Bible says. They were baptized, and we assume, though it does not say specifically spirit baptized, we assume that baptism includes both water and spiritual baptism. But it says the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's a pretty big church, praise God. By anyone's standards, 3,000 soul church is a big deal. In one day, that occurred. Let me tell you something. I know today it may seem sometimes like we're a smaller church. We're just a big church that hasn't gotten our day yet. Hallelujah. We're a bigger church that just hasn't received that day yet. But I'm telling you, God can switch it like this. All it takes is one day and we could outgrow this place. One day and we could be out overflowing out the door. Let me tell you, I still believe in it. I still claim it in the name of Jesus. Not for the sake of just being a big church, but oh, I want to see 3,000 souls baptized in Jesus' name. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to see a harvest. Anybody want to see the harvest in this place? Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. You see, that happened in just one day. However, the Bible says in Acts 2, by the end of that chapter, that the Lord was adding to the church every day. Every day, Acts 2, 47, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I tell you, I can't wait for the day where every day I get a phone call. I got another baptism, Pastor. Can you meet me at the church? Hallelujah. You give me that phone call, you better believe I'll be here in 30 minutes. Hallelujah. I got another one, Pastor. Hallelujah. I just taught him a Bible study. Yeah, let's do it every day. Somebody shout every day. Every day God wants to add to the church. That means it's not supposed to wait until Sunday. Praise God. I tell you, that baptismal tank shouldn't be the only time it's used is on Sunday. Every day when God leads us to another person who needs to hear the gospel, we should preach it to them. Don't give them a track and say, come on Sunday. You teach them a Bible study and then baptize them in the name of Jesus. Then bring them on Sunday. Hallelujah. You don't have to wait till the pastor get involved. Every day God wants to fill people with the Holy Ghost and see them get baptized. If you believe that, won't you say every day? Every day. Then in Acts chapter 4, we see that the number, which was 3,120 in Acts 2, after the daily routine of souls being saved, in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men were about 5,000. Hallelujah. It went from 3,120 to 5,000 men. See, before when it said 3,000, it said 3,000 souls. This time it says 5,000 men. That means we could at least double it. So the church is at least at this point 10,000 strong. 10,000 possibly much more if you include children. 
10,000 members strong and only in a couple of chapters. By Acts 5, the Bible stops saying that God adds to the church and starts saying multitudes of men and women groups were being added to the church. They weren't doing one baptism a day. They were doing groups of people every day. Every day, large groups were coming in of men and women. Let me tell you, it's going to get to a point in this city, we're claiming it, where churches are going to come. They're going to be converted converted and get baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the Holy Ghost. Oh, full groups in this world are going to come. Hallelujah. And they're going to want what we have. Hallelujah. Praise God, because what we have is wonderful. And I don't know about you, but I want everybody to be able to experience it. So God was adding multitudes of men and women. That's in chapter 5. In chapter 6, it changes again. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied. We just went from addition to multiplication. From addition to multiplication. That means God wasn't adding to the number. He was multiplying the number. If we were at 10,000 a couple chapters ago and in groups on top of that, now God's multiplying 10,000. So you're talking about we're at least at 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 within just a few short years. The church exploded. Hallelujah. And they grew like crazy. Don't tell me we can't see a hundred come this year. Don't tell me we can't see a flood of revival and souls come in. Don't tell me God can't add to this church or multiply it. Don't tell me. Oh, praise the Lord. But pastor, we're only this strong. Yeah, that's that's right. Right now we're running a little low. But let me tell you something. It can change like this. God's timing is perfect. And we're here for it. We're expecting it. We're praying for it. We're working towards it. Because God's going to do it. Oh, if you believe that, would you stand to your feet and begin to claim those things in the name of Jesus? God, we claim revival. God, we claim evangelism. We claim an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We claim souls being baptized. We claim people being transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. We claim it. We claim it. We claim it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah. And there's a lot that could be said of this. We've said it before. Sometimes God isn't waiting on the crowd. They're waiting on the church to get themselves ready. We need to be prepared for the thousands that will be saved in Stewart, Florida. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We must prepare ourselves because with growth comes problems. With growth comes problems. It's been said, more money, more problems. More souls, more problems. And it's a good problem to have. you got multitudes of people all needing assistance, love, caring, 
It's, you know, again, like a, a whole church full of babies. All of them need to be taught, cared for, brought up. It's a lot of work to care for a church. Uh, Brother, Brother Wilfred today, in passing, I just pat him on the back and just said, I, I appreciate you. He's a pastor, me, and you're always saying that. Why are you always telling us you appreciate us? You know I know you appreciate me. I said, well, I said, I know. You know I appreciate you. I said, but if you only knew what it was like the first few years of Pastor Meehan and Sister Meehan doing everything around here, you'd understand why I appreciate when somebody helps and works in the church. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I made him sound a little unappeasing. He was, he was not like that. He was nice. Hallelujah. I made him sound a little nasty. I didn't mean to do that. He was kind about it. But, uh, but I, I let him know, listen, it is such a good thing to have people who are helping because this is bigger than just one man. This is bigger than just 12 men. The 12 apostles couldn't even handle the growth of the church and all that enta- that entailed. He needed helpers. They needed people to step up. They needed people who would put their hands to the work and begin to become servants of God and to do the will of God. Oh, I tell you, I believe we are seeing revival and it's, it's a, something that we need in this revival is more hands to the work and more people who are willing to step up and say yes pastor what can I do to help you what can I do how can I take my part in this work and in this story specifically the Grecian widows were not receiving the care as the other widows for the Grecians that would of course be such a big deal as possibly you would feel offended if the pastor walked and shook everybody else's hand, but not your hand. Now, sometimes it's just an oversight. Sometimes pastor's just got a lot on his mind, and he doesn't mean to neglect anybody. Sometimes the leaders are just trying to focus on everyone that individuals start to get lost in the crowd. (coughs) Possibly that's what happened with the disciples The disciples being multiplied. They're trying to focus on big picture. And by focusing on big picture, the Grecian women and widows were being neglected in the daily administration of food. So the disciples said something has to happen. We can't continue on like this. Things are falling through the cracks As the Grecian widows, as anybody here would be, they were very upset. They were angry. I don't know if they felt tempted to leave the church. I don't know if they felt tempted to walk away from God. I tell you, we can't let anybody do that. Not at fault of the church. Hallelujah. I'm sure the burden of those souls, those widows, fell desperately on the apostles as they looked and recognized that a large portion of their congregation was being neglected. It came with a burden. It wasn't an aggravation 
motivation. They didn't look back and say, well, why are you bothering us about this? They got a burden for them, but they knew as long as they tried to do everything themselves that they would continue to have things fall through the cracks. So they decided, let's call on seven men, seven men who can come and can do the administration and the work. Hallelujah, I'm here to tell you, praise God, this is the apostolic model for church work because there's only there's certain things only the apostles can do. Hallelujah, but there's things that anybody can do. And that's why people have to step up and say the pastor can't do everything. The leaders can't do everything. They need some men and women who will step up and take care of the things that are falling through the cracks and take care of the people who pastor hasn't got to yet and love on the people who pastor just hasn't got around to yet. Hallelujah. This is the apostolic model that there would be people who would step up. Hallelujah. And take the service, the, the, the role of a servant and do that which the apostles could do but wasn't able to do. And in this process, the disciples, they decided on three traits of the appointed. Three traits of the appointed. They needed to be of honest report or a good reputation. This couldn't be somebody who had a, 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 a reputation of being a bad person or a stealer or somebody who didn't work well with others. They needed to be of honest report. God, help us to maintain our reputation in the house of God. God, help us to maintain our reputation, a conviction to treat people fairly and honestly. Second, they needed to be people, men and women of wise stature. They needed to be full of wisdom. They needed people who could carry out the work and make sure it was done correctly. There's some, some that I have seen, nobody here. I'm not talking about anybody here. But there's some I've seen who stepped into the church work, and because it was voluntary work, they decided that they were going to do the least amount possible <laughs> just to kind of say that they did it and then they can, you know, check mark. Okay, I did my voluntary work for the week and I did something for God. But these men needed to be wise enough to where they could actually administer the work of God and the church effectively. We should pursue education. We should pursue knowledge. We should have a commitment to growing in knowledge and wisdom when it comes to church work. Is this okay today? I know this is very different than what we're used to. Hallelujah. But we should pursue knowledge and wisdom. How to better ourselves and better the kingdom of God. This past weekend, uh, in preparation of our core group meeting later on today, which is our planning meeting. We're going to be discussing our possible platform renovations and all that. We'll give you more details on that to come, but I was trying to, to price some things out, and I know nothing about lighting, but now I'm, you know, 
pastors having to price out lighting, adequate lighting for stage designs. And I'm just, I had no idea where to go. So I took about an hour and a half and I watched some YouTube videos and I did some studying and I learned a whole bunch of stuff about lighting. Come talk to me later. I could tell you all about stage lighting. Now, only an hour and a half worth, but hallelujah, (laughs) I could tell you all about it. Because doing the work of the ministry, sometimes you have to stretch yourself. And you have to learn some things that you didn't know beforehand. Hallelujah, but oh, praise God, I want to be a good servant to the Lord that is able and capable of doing the work that God places in my hand. Isn't ministry a, a, a privilege today? Hallelujah. Isn't ministry a privilege? God allows me to walk in and be used by Him in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. God allows me to put another, another notch on my crown and, and to get a little bit more treasure in heaven. That's the blessing of working in the ministry. Hallelujah. If you're thankful for the Lord and, and God bless you, how about you clap your hands? Thank you, Jesus, for using me, Lord God. And the third one is full of the Holy Ghost. They must be full of the Holy Ghost. Now, we'll break that down in just a minute, but I wanted you to notice what is not on this list. It is not a requirement. These are not traits of the appointed He did not require that they be well off financially to be used by God. It was not a requirement that they be extremely talented. They needed to be wise, but it wasn't required that they be extremely talented. That's why pastor plays the piano. (laughs) Praise God. It wasn't a requirement that they be extremely beautiful or handsome. That wasn't a requirement. It wasn't a requirement that they be extremely popular and well-known. No, hallelujah. You see, some of the things that we think will hold our ministry back, the Bible says it's not even a concern. If you want to know how to improve your ministry and how to have a better ministry and work for God in a better way, these are the three things you need. A good reputation, a wise and knowledgeable understanding of things, and you need to be full of the Holy Ghost because who cares if you're talented? if you're not full of the Holy Ghost and who cares how good looking you are if you're not full of the Holy Ghost and who cares if everybody else likes you if you're not full of the Holy Ghost and who cares if you got money in the bank if you're not full of the Holy Ghost praise God hallelujah praise the Lord and I love this you see because they're appointing men to do service work, basically to become servants. They would be over the administration. They were glorified servers and waiters and waitresses in the kingdom of God. You know, in our society, in our uh, city, you can become a waiter or waitress with very little experience Uh, You don't even need necessarily a good resume because we recognize those positions don't require a lot. Just about anybody can become a waiter or a waitress as long as they're capable of learning the business and all of that. 
But although they, the disciples didn't require them to be financially well off and talented, handsome, all that stuff, they did require them to be full of the Holy Ghost. Why do I got to be full of the Holy Ghost to carry around a tray of food? But they determined the mo- if we can have people who are in service unto the Lord, who are doing what may be considered a small and unimportant task, if even the smallest of the jobs could be done by somebody who is full of the Holy Ghost, it is going to bless the church, and it is going to be done better and well off. Hallelujah. Come on. I'm preaching to you today. God's not just called the pastor to be full of the Holy Ghost. And God's not just called the preachers to be full of the Holy Ghost, but God wants the musicians to be full of the Holy Ghost. And God wants the singers to be full of the Holy Ghost. God wants the ushers full of the Holy Ghost. The door greeters full of the Holy Ghost. The media team full of the Holy Ghost. Come on, if we're all full of the Holy Ghost, it'll be better for the church. Oh, praise God. Can I preach for just a moment? The moment that the pews are just as full of the Holy Ghost as the platform is, that's the moment we'll see revival. That's the moment where God could do a work that's greater than the pulpit and greater than the platform. Come on, the moment the pews are full of the Holy Ghost and not just a platform. If you don't believe me, look at this. Acts 6 and 7. And the word, this is after they put these men in place. And the word of God increased. And even beyond the multiplication, the addition and the multiplication, he's saying the word of God increased. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Now we've gone from 10,000 to at least 20,000 to at least 40,000 to possibly 50 or 60,000. He's saying the number of disciples it multiplied greatly. That's what happens when the pews are just as anointed as the pulpit is. That's what happens when the Sunday school teachers are just as powerful as the Sunday morning preacher. That, oh, praise God. That's what happens when the ushers are just as anointed as the preacher or the teacher is. Hallelujah. When we all decide, I want to be full of the Holy Ghost, then God will multiply what we're doing greatly. Oh, would you clap your hands to the Lord? Oh, Jesus. But you may be asking, what does it mean to be full of the Holy Ghost? I'm happy you asked because I've got the answer today. Is there a difference? I I thought, Pastor, when I received the Holy Ghost, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. You were. Absolutely, you were filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2 and 4 tells us we must be filled with the Holy Ghost. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When somebody receives the gift, Peter called it a gift, amen? When Peter When somebody received the gift that Peter talked about on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. 
And when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they began to speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is the overflow of the filling of the Holy Ghost. Oh, praise God. That's why there's people who may come in this place and you say, well, I felt the presence of God. That's amazing. Say, well, God has touched me in many ways. That's great. But I never did speak in tongues. I say, listen, that just means you got to keep going. Because God's going to overflow in you. He's going to fill you to overflow. Hallelujah. When that overflow comes, you'll begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And I don't have time to qualify all that, but we know from Acts chapter 10 that when they received the gift of the Holy Ghost, they began to speak in tongues. Those who stood by They said, look, the Gentiles have received the Holy Ghost just as the Jews have. How'd they know they'd received the Holy Ghost? Somebody shout it. Because they heard them speak with tongues. That means every time someone is filled with the Holy Ghost, immediately something supernatural happens and they begin to speak in tongues. Why speaking in tongues? It's a sign to all who are around us and to ourselves that now I can be confident. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Anybody here know you're filled with the Holy Ghost? Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. In fact, it almost every time someone was filled with the Holy Ghost or given the Holy Ghost, it gives us that term. Acts 9, 17, in the conversion of Saul, who would become Paul, it says that he prayed, Ananias prayed for him, that thou mightest receive thy sight again and be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's my prayer today. If there's anybody in this place, you've not received that wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost, I pray before you leave here, God will fill you overflowing with the gift of the Holy Ghost that you'll know he will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. How can I be confident of that? It's because I've had the supernatural experience of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Hallelujah. We're talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, why don't you clap your hands one more time? Thank you, Jesus. Well, that's what it means to be filled. What's the difference, though? Obviously, there's a difference. If those in the church in that day had the Holy Ghost, then why would being full of the Holy Ghost be a distinct characteristic within the church? I have a little illustration. I know we're going to Sunday school today, but I have a little illustration here. You see, we've got a cup. We've got a cup that is filled, like most of us, with a whole bunch of stuff. And you see, though we repent and we do all those things, we still have a life full of priorities, responsibilities, cravings, desires, things that are of this world. Being filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that you're just never going to desire the world again, right? It does mean you'll have the power to resist it. But it doesn't mean you're going to be completely purged and cleansed from all the desires you had before. Now, we should lay down sin. I'm not talking about sin. Sin we need to repent of, right? 
That's why Peter said, repent, turn away from your sin, be baptized in the name of Jesus, let God purge you of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But most of us, we still look like this, and look what God does. God takes his spirit, and he fills us with the Holy Ghost. And we, we're to the point where we cannot receive any more in our life. He fills us. Sister Mia, maybe you can come and help me real quick. But see, there's a difference here. Because although that cup is filled with the Holy Ghost or filled with water, it is not full of water. It's filled but it's not full. Why? Because there's a whole bunch of other things still inside the cup. Sister Mia, and if you could very carefully try to pour that, pour that out and then get those cups out of it and then fill it up again with the water and help me out there. Thank you very much. Whatever you need to do just to get the rocks out. You see, and this is what the Bible is implying It implies that although the church was filled with the Holy Ghost, now, hallelujah, there were some men that's cleansed their lives of all of their earthly attachments, all of the things that inhibited them before. And now where they were just simply filled to the brim, now they're full to the brim of the Holy Ghost. And every aspect of their life is being run by the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost has control over them. And nothing else. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost has control. There's nothing else hindering them or in the way. They're full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I tell you. Uh, when we get to a point where we say, you know what? I don't need this world. I want Jesus. I want the Holy Ghost. I want more of the Spirit of God. And God cleanses us. We become full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Anybody want to be full of the Holy Ghost here today? Praise God. Well, let me tell you, if you want to be full of the Holy Ghost, you're here at the right time. Because right now we're doing exactly what it takes to get there. We're fasting. Oh, I feel the anointing. We're fasting and we're praying. This is a process that John the Baptist understood very well. He said in John 3 and 30, he must increase in my life and I must decrease. The Bible talks about mortifying the deeds of the flesh, removing things out of our lives that are inhibiting the fullness of the Holy Ghost saying there's some things in my life that keeps me from prayer. I cut them away. Some thoughts that keep me from reading my Bible, I've got to cut them away because I have to get to a point where there's nothing else in my life that I am full of the Holy Ghost. And let me tell you, being full of the Holy Ghost will bring the miracles 
and signs and wonders of God. Mark chapter 9 and verse 17. The disciples who had walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus. Yet Jesus himself had recognized that they did not fast because they were with the bridegroom. So in that process, they didn't take time to fast. They were with Jesus Christ. This had some downfalls because even they lacked in the power of God to do what they needed to do. Mark chapter 9, verse 17, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth and his teeth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. Verse 25. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of that boy. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, Look, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up and that boy arose. And look at this. When he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast out the boy or the spirit from the boy? Why couldn't we do what you did? Verse 29, and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. This can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. There are certain things in our walk with God that we cannot attain without seasons of prayer and fasting. Consecrating our lives unto the Lord. Cutting things out. You wonder why we're taking time this week at the beginning not to eat desserts and not to eat meats. Thursday, we start with fruits, nuts, and vegetables only. Why would we do that? Why would we cut out media, television, movies, books, and Facebook, and social media? Why would we do that? It's because this cometh by, forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Because it's the fullness of of the Holy Ghost uh, that leads to miracles uh, and signs and wonder. If we want to see a display uh, of the power of God in this place, uh, then we pray uh, and we fast. Uh, if you want God to use you in ways that he's never used be you before, uh, here's what I encourage you. Take this fast seriously. Pray and fast in the next couple of weeks. Uh, spend time doing maybe what you never have done in the past. 
rocks. Commit 100%. Get rid of the other rocks in your life and let God fill you to the full measure of your faith. Because look at this. The man who was full of the Holy Ghost, the man that was called on to do nothing but serve tables, the man who was assigned a waiter position. Look at this. Acts chapter 6, that next verse. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. How did Stephen do that? It's because he was full of the Holy Ghost. It's because even though Stephen may not have had the a platform to preach from or a pulpit to stand behind, Stephen still recognized, I can be used by God. I can do a work of God. I can see revival. I can operate in the gifts. Hallelujah. As long as I am full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at this. I'm almost done. How about we stand? Look at this. No, go back. Go back. Go back. Hurry before anybody sees it. (laughs) Where just a few verses earlier, Stephen was described as being full of the Holy Ghost. Now, He's described as a man full of faith and power. Oh, oh yeah, you got power when you received the Holy Ghost up to the limit that you were filled. But once Stephen became full of the Holy Ghost, he operated in a full measure of faith and power. Why? Because Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Hallelujah. The very next scripture there. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Ye shall receive power. Oh, we've got that miracle working power. We've got the power to see signs and wonders. We've got the power to see revival. Hallelujah. The question here today is, are we full of the Holy Ghost? Have we consecrated our lives and said, God, fill me up. God, fill me up. Overflow in me. Oh, I wish somebody get in the spirit right now. You want to see the power of God in your life? Hallelujah. Get full of the Holy Ghost. You want to see the power of God in your family? Get full of the Holy Ghost. You want to see the power of God in your ministry? Get full of the Holy Ghost. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Get full of the Holy Ghost Ghost today. As people are praying, I want to invite everyone who can to come down to this altar and spend a few minutes consecrating your life to God and saying, God, I rid myself of the deeds of this flesh. And Lord, I commit myself to you. Would you come down all over this place? Would you come down?
That's right, find a place where you can cry out to the Lord. God, I don't need to be a preacher to be full of the Holy Ghost. I don't need to be a pastor to be full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I don't need a position to be full of the Holy Ghost. I don't need a ministry to pray for people and see them healed. <laughs> If you've not received the Holy Ghost, God can fill you today.